Amen. I'd like to invite you to take your Bible, please, and turn to the book of Daniel. <clears throat> book of Daniel in the Old Testament. Daniel chapter 9, verse number 24. Daniel chapter 9, verse number 24. The title of my sermon this morning is God Has a Future Plan for Israel. God has a future plan for Israel. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, reads, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Let's bow for prayer. O oh God, please teach us from your word this morning. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. O oh God, we pray. Thank you for your inspired word. We look to you to guide us and lead us and meet each one at that point of need. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. God has a future plan for Israel. If so, why do we not see and hear more of the Christian community supporting Israel? If God really has a plan for Israel... God isn't finished with Israel as yet. We understand that God will still work in and through the nation of Israel. Why do we not see or hear more of the Christian community openly supporting Israel? The Bible is God's revelation on Israel. It gives us historical facts about Israel it gives us prophetic facts about Israel. God promised and provided a saviour through Israel. Jesus Christ was born in Israel. He taught in Israel. He ministered in Israel. He died in Israel. He rose again in Israel. He commissioned his disciples in Israel he ascended back to heaven from Israel and he is coming again to Israel. See, God is not finished with Israel. The Old Testament is the foundation of the New Testament. To be a Bible Christian is to accept the promise of a Messiah who was promised to come from the nation of Israel within the pages of the Old Testament and to believe that Jesus Christ referred to in the New Testament is that Messiah. That's what it means to be a Bible Christian, to accept that the promises of old 
in the old are fulfilled in the new in the person of Jesus Christ and to receive him by faith as saviour. We make reference to our Judo-Christian faith basis. Go to Galatians chapter 3, please. The book of Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. We'll read verse 16 as well. Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Verse 14, Galatians 3. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And verse 16. Now to Abraham and to his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So our salvation is, has come through the line of Israel. Christianity is linked to Judaism. That's why we refer to our Judo-Christian faith. The problem of Judaism on its own, it falls short, it won't, accept Jesus Christ as their saviour. But for those of us that are Christians, we understand that the saviour was promised and the saviour has come in the person of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So because Christianity is linked to Judaism and the Jewish people we need to be mindful that what is taking place around the world against uh, Jewish people, anti-Semitism, is indirectly also an attack against biblical Christianity. You, you need to face the music, church family. That's, that's reality. So just as much as there is anti-Semitism, there is... Uh, there is uh, those that are the same people would oppose biblical Christianity because we our, our faith basis is Judo-Christian. They're connected together. And those that hate the Jews hate the Western world. And why do they uh, hate the West? Because the West is Judo-Christian based. Got it? Judeo-Christian based. So, please be mindful of that. And um, so we as God's people need to stand up for Israel because indirectly in standing for Israel we are standing for our Judeo-Christian faith because they are connected. God is not finished with Israel as yet. Within the Christian community, there are various views on Israel. When we look at Israel through the lens of Scripture, we see that God has a plan for Israel. God hasn't finished with Israel. We've studied in the past couple of weeks that God made four unconditional covenants with Israel. The Abrahamic, 
Palestinian, Davidic and New Covenant. Now the Abrahamic Covenant is the basis of the entire covenant program. This covenant is spelled out there in Genesis chapter 12 for the first time and it spells out the fact that Abraham will become a nation. He will be the father of a nation. God will give them a land, the land of Israel as it is today. It's their land. God said it, that settles it. I'm not sure what the issue is, really. And God said that I will provide a blessing through the line of Abraham. That blessing is the provision of a saviour, Jesus Christ. And the other three covenants build on that Abrahamic covenant. Yet future... There is the eternal kingdom to come and there is the salvation of the nation of Israel. See, God hasn't finished with Israel yet. Yes, they are a people, a national group. They are in the land. Over half the known Jewish population is now back in Israel. Over half. So God isn't finished with Israel as yet. Note with me there in Romans chapter 11, please. Romans chapter 11. The Apostle Paul confirms the fact that God is not finished with Israel. Note there in chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, I say then, hath God cast away his people? In other words, is God finished with Israel? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. Verse 2, God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. What ye not, what the scripture saith of Elias, how he made intercession to God against Israel? And note then verses 26 and 27. So all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant, or known as the new covenant, under them when I shall take away their sins. See, Israel as a nation is still Uh, needs to be saved. They are in unbelief. They're far from perfect. So in supporting Israel, we are not necessarily supporting what they do and what they do not do, but they are the apple of God's eye. So we support them on that basis and we understand that God isn't finished with Israel yet, that their salvation as a nation is yet to come. And also their reign with their King Jesus is yet to come. So many do not understand or believe that God isn't finished with Israel as yet. She still has a place in future prophecy. And I I just really wonder, could this be the reason why 
We don't see and hear of more support for Israel. Every man and his dog is supporting free Palestine. Literally every man and his dog and everything in between. Well, what about Israel? What about Israel? Could it be that we as Bible-believing Christians, on the whole, we just don't understand the fact that, hey, God still has a plan for Israel and we need to support God's people and be mindful that God isn't finished with Israel yet. And I really wonder, could this be the reason why we don't see and hear of more support for Israel? Because many within Christianity today, they do not understand that God still has a plan for Israel. Let me explain. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, please. So forgive me this morning, I'm going to take you into my theology class a little. I hope I don't lose you, I'll try not to, um, but I'm going to take you into my theology class uh, just a little. Uh, I'm looking forward to teaching theology next year, by the way. Um, but uh, note here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 32 it reads, give none offence neither to the Jew nor to the Gentile nor to the church of God. Note the three groups of people. Jews, Gentiles, church of God. There is a difference, a distinct difference between those that are of Israel, Jews, those that are Gentiles, a Gentile is a person that's not a Jew, and those that are part of the church of God. It's important that we understand that and we don't mesh them one with another. And secondly, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2, please. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, it reads, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In correctly understanding the mind of God, we need to accurately interpret the Scriptures. And we need to understand that there is a difference in how God deals with the Jew, the Gentile, and the church of God. The Bible teaches us that we are to rightly divide the word of truth. And that's so critically important. Correctly and accurately interpret the Scriptures. And based upon 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32, there is a distinction between the Jew and the Gentile and the Church of God, those that have received Jesus Christ as Saviour. 
The Gentiles is in reference to dominant world nations. If we had time, we'd go back into the book of Daniel. Daniel 2, Daniel 7, uh, chapter 2, 7, 8, 11, 12 talks about some main dominant world empires. And we read how God has worked through these world empires, predominantly the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks and the Romans. This dominance is known as the time of the Gentiles, Jesus said. Refer to this time as the times of the Gentiles. And this will end at the return of Jesus Christ to reign on the earth. And God used these nations to not only chastise Israel, but also to set the stage for God's climactic eternal work. So we have the Gentile nations. Then we have Israel. We see the unfolding plan of redemption from the Old into the New Testament in the person of Jesus Christ, the promised Jewish Messiah. And God has yet a future plan in dealing with Israel. She is still unsaved. She is still in unbelief. Yes, she's in the land. And ever since she's been back in the land and fulfilled many Uh, Old Testament Bible prophecy, she's had to battle and struggle. But guess what? She's still in the land. She ain't going anywhere. And God's going to make sure of that. And then there's the church of God, the Gentiles, the Jew or Israel, the church of God. Jesus Christ originated the church. He said, upon this rock I will build my church. What was that rock? The profession of Simon Peter who said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So whether you are a Jew or a Gentile, if you will place your faith in Jesus Christ, you become part of the church. Made up of saved individuals. And there is coming a day in which Jesus Christ will return and and. And he will catch up the church into heaven. We will be raptured from the earth. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 16 to 17. And this will ignite God's final dealings with Israel. That will ultimately lead Israel to salvation. So God has a plan for you and I as Bible believing Christians. God has a plan for Israel and God has a plan for the Gentile nations. It's important that we rightly divide the word of truth. Thirdly, I want to stress this morning that we need to be discerning when it comes to a having a correct understanding of Israel and the future and that there is a future for Israel. It is important that we understand that there are differences in the Christian world when it comes to foundational Bible doctrine. The main lines of theology today are number one, Catholic theology. Catholic theology is made up of tradition, idolatry, what I call a splash of Bible. So you have Catholic theology and then you've got what is referred to as Reformed theology. 
Reformed theology. This is what Protestant churches such as the Anglicans and the Presbyterians and the Uniting Church have as their belief basis. Now, within Reformed theology, I told you I'm going to bring you into my theology class. So if you like it, join my class next year. We'll have some fun. Within the realm of Reformed theology, when it comes to future prophecy amongst Protestants, by the way, we are not Protestants, we didn't come out of the Catholic Church, we were never in the Catholic Church. There has always been Bible-believing Christians from the time of Jesus Christ, that's our heritage. Within Reformed theology, there is the, uh, the element of future prophecy which is summed up in amillennialism. And that is uh, what most Protestant, if not all Protestant churches believe. What is amillennialism? Well, think about it, A before millennium. Millennium, thousand, a, no, millennium. Amillennialism relates to future prophecy. This is a branch of Reformed theology. It is the belief that there will not be a future, literal, 1,000-year reign of Jesus Christ on the earth. This is a millennialism. There will not be a future literal 1,000 year reign of Jesus Christ on the earth. Now, this is a rejection of the Davidic covenant. And it is a rejection of the literal interpretation of Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 to 6. This is amillennialism, part of Reformed theology. I have a book that summed up amillennialism in this concise quote. So what does this mean? So what does a Protestant church believe when it comes to the future? I quote a gentleman by the name of Roberts who made this statement in his book on amillennialism. And he defines it as such. He said, I quote, the millennium represents the whole of the last days. We are in it now. Satan has already been defeated and bound by the death and resurrection of Christ. 
He's still active, but he can do nothing to hinder God's purpose. End of quote. So Mr. Roberts defines amillennialism that we're in it now, we're in the millennium. Now as I read my scripture, one of the marks of the millennium will be peace and, we'll read, and we read in Isaiah of the lion lying with a lamb. Not sure about that today. And Satan defeated and bound. Satan is bound. This is amillennialism. So there is no future literal 1,000 year reign. We are in the millennium right now. And Satan is bound. But yet he's active. Double talk. How can he be bound and be active? Now how do they come up with this? Well, the mastermind is one of the church fathers by the name of Augustine a pastor in a place called Hippo, which is in northern Africa. Uh, he pastored in the three, four hundreds. And his beliefs are strong, were strongly incorporated within the belief system of the Roman Catholic Church, such as purgatory, thanks to Mr. Augustine. And when the Reformation movement came out or began with people coming out of the Roman Catholic Church, people like Luther and Calvin and Huss and Zwingli, they still lent upon the writings of Augustine. And with Augustine's writings, he was very influential in the doctrine of Calvinism being a part of Reformed theology and also amillennialism. So Augustine was instrumental in the formation of many of the teachings within the Roman Catholic Church and Augustine was instrumental in the beliefs of those that came out of the Catholic Church known as the Protestants, they also took some of his beliefs and made them their own. So amillennialism is foundational in Protestant churches today when it comes to future prophecy. Now let's get a little bit more technical. You okay? So how do they come up with this? That we are in the millennium right now and that Satan is bound. Amillennialism, a mark of amillennialism is the spiritualization of scripture. 
as opposed to interpreting the Bible literally, you interpret the Bible allegorically or spiritually. This is in a direct opposition to interpreting the Bible literally at face value. In other words, words have meanings apart from the meaning of the word. You spiritualize. So we are in the spiritual millennium. And spiritually speaking, Satan is bound. I'm really not sure about that. And because of the spiritualizing of Scripture, they do not believe literally in a six, six, 24-hour day creation. You ask the average Protestant, what do you believe about creation? They'll say, yes, I believe that God created. Then I challenge you to ask them, can I please ask you, do you believe that God created in six literal 24-hour days? And you'll find they'll begin to squirm. Because of this spiritualizing of Scripture, to them, one each day represents thousands of years. And though they will say, we believe in creation that God created, but they don't believe the literal Bible which teaches that God created on six days, the morning and the evening, the morning and the evening. And this spiritualizing of Scripture also means that they do not believe that the book of Revelation is to be understood literally and is yet future. They will say it's basically an allegory of past church history to the present. That's the book of Revelation in Reformed theology, amillennialism. So this, there's this opposition to interpreting the Word of God literally. And good sound Bible interpretation is simply this, if the, if the plain sense makes sense, seek no other sense. Because if you leave it up to your imagination to say, well, this represents this and this represents that, well, the sky's the limit. There is symbolism in the scriptures, but you need to understand the context and yes there are times where it's clear that God is speaking symbolically but God always works from the literal so within amillennialism you've got the spiritualizing of scripture you've got a general resurrection that is when Jesus Christ comes they believe he will come there will not be a first and second resurrection as the Bible teaches. The Bible talks about the first and second resurrection. There will be a general resurrection at the end. 
and then the eternal realm will begin. Another mark of amillennialism is what we refer to as replacement theology, and this is where I'm going. Okay, so if you've dozed off, please wake up now. Replacement theology. This is a part of amillennialism, which is reformed theology. Replacement theology states that the church today, the church is the new Israel. The church is the new Israel. In other words, the church is the spiritual Israel of the Old Testament. This is what we call replacement theology. They claim that the two terms, Israel and the church, are used interchangeably. Well, that's simply not true. The Old Testament's all about Israel. The New Testament's all about the church. You won't read of the church in the Old Testament, but when you read of Israel in the New Testament, you read of Israel. Israel is mentioned 73 times. But then you also read of the church over a hundred times. So work that one out. So such a bold claim is unwarranted if we look at all the reference to Israel, the church in the New Testament. They are distinctively different. And as we noted there in 1 Corinthians 10.32, the Jew, the Gentile and the church of God. The church is never called and is not a spiritual Israel or a new Israel. Within Reformed theology, that's what they believe. That the church today is, a spirit, is spiritual Israel. The church has engulfed Israel. But my Bible teaches us that it's distinctively different. The term Israel is either used of the nation or the people as a whole or of the believing remnant within. It is never used of the church in general or of Gentile believers in particular. It's so important that we understand that. That's Reformed theology, amillennialism. And may I submit to you the reason why we don't have more of God's people supporting Israel is because they do not believe biblically about Israel. They acknowledge there is an Israel, but they do not acknowledge that God still has a plan for the Israel that is in existence today. (laughs) The existence of Israel today is a miracle. Have you worked that one out? Miracle. How they hold their own. Because God's on their side. And I'm afraid because of this reformed theology, the extension of that, a millennialism, many sincere Christians have no understanding that God still has a plan for Israel. Now let me close by by sharing with you biblical theology. Amen. 
I've mentioned Catholic theology, I've mentioned Reformed theology, let's talk about Biblical theology. And big Biblical theology when it comes to Israel is that God still has a plan for Israel, as I've stressed. It encompasses the Davidic covenant, the new covenant, that she will reign with her King Jesus Christ and she will be saved. How and when will God do this? Good question. Remember back there in Daniel chapter 9, we read earlier on, just quickly go back to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, it reads, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. From verse 24 down to verse 27 of Daniel chapter 9, we have an amazing prophecy where God gives us God's overall plan for Israel. This prophecy teaches us that God has determined 70 weeks, 70 times 7, 490 years to complete his dealings with the nation of Israel. That is 70 times 7 prophetic years, God dealing with Israel. When the Lord Jesus rode into Jerusalem to present himself as the Messiah, this was the conclusion of the 69th week. The first week began in 445 BC with the mandate to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And when the Lord Jesus rode into Jerusalem to present himself as the Messiah, that was the conclusion of the 69th week. Now, I wish I had more time, but what I've done this morning, I've left some uh, brochures there in the foyer, uh, some photocopies on Daniel's 70th week that might give you a little bit more understanding. And a scholar by the name of Anderson worked out to the day from 445 BC to 32 AD is the exact equivalent of 483 years to the day, to the day. So 69 weeks have been fulfilled and there is one week yet to be fulfilled. That is one week of years, seven years, to complete God's dealings with Israel. And when will this take place? Well, we note there in verse number 27 of Daniel chapter 9, he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. The context here is Israel. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice of oblation to cease. This is in reference to uh, the Jewish people worshipping within their temple, which which will be rebuilt in the future. And go to Matthew chapter 24, please. We looked at this the other week. Matthew chapter 24. 
Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. The Lord Jesus made reference to what Daniel prophesied. In Daniel 24, 15, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whosoever readeth, let him understand. Note that wording, the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel. This is part of that last seven years in which God will bring to a climax his dealings with the nation of Israel. So when we use scripture to interpret scripture, we see that this is in reference to the tribulation period to come. That Jeremiah referred to as a time of Jacob's trouble. Remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 32, it talks about the Jew, the Gentile, the church of God. The tribulation period is yet to come. That's not for you and I that are part of the church of God. We'll be taken from the earth. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 16 and 17 has nothing to do with us. So that tribulation period is Daniel's 70th week. But during that week, seven years in the middle, the Antichrist, the world leader will break his commitment to Israel and he will set up an image of himself in the temple and he will demand worship and he will begin to persecute Israel to no end. And through that, God will save Israel. So Daniel's 70th week is yet future. It's yet to come. The Lord Jesus made reference to it in Matthew chapter 24. And if we have time, if we had time, we go to Revelation chapter 13. You can read about that event and the breaking of that covenant in Revelation chapter 13. But read it literally and then you'll understand it. So if we interpret literally the book of Revelation, then chapter 6 to 19 is yet future. And when you read through those chapters, you will note a period of seven years in two halves, three and a half years, three and a half years. The Lord Jesus referred to the beginning of sorrows, the great tribulation. And the main focus within this tribulation period is Israel. And this will complete God's 70th week. And this will lead to her salvation and to her reign with her King, Jesus Christ. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, it reads, A new heart also will I give you, a new spirit will I put within you, I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart and I will give you a heart of flesh. Because God, because God deals with the church differently to Israel, we will not go through the tribulation period. Well, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9 teaches us God has not appointed us unto wrath but to obtain salvation our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So there is Catholic theology, there is Reformed theology, then there is Bible theology. And Bible theology teaches that there is yet a plan for Israel. God has not finished with Israel as yet. Oh yes, the ones and the twos might be saved up until the rapture, but during the tribulation period, the Bible teaches us that she will be saved as a nation. There is a tomorrow for Israel from a biblical perspective. Replacement theology is simply not true. It's simply not true. Amillennialism as a whole is simply not true. In Acts chapter 2 verse 42, it talks about them continuing in the apostles' doctrine. And may God help us to continue in the doctrines of the Word of God. There is a tomorrow for Israel. God isn't finished with Israel. She has a unique future. She is not spiritually swallowed up in the church. God's dealings with her are distinct. God will continue to protect Israel and God will save Israel during Daniel's 70th week and she will reign on the earth with her king, Jesus Christ. Yes, Israel is on the shelf for now. God is working in and through the New Testament church now. But God will go back to Israel. That's Daniel's 70th week. See? And as a practical application for us this morning, what shelved Israel? Why is Israel on the shelf at the moment? Her unbelief. It's her unbelief. She will not accept Jesus Christ as her Messiah. She rejected Jesus Christ when the opportunity was there and crucified the eternal Son of God. And maybe it's our unbelief that is shelving you and I from being used of God. Jesus said, have faith in God. Beloved, we live in troublesome days. Let me encourage you, have faith in God. We're on the winning side. I've read the back of the book. I've read it literally. And that gives me great hope that I'm not going through the tribulation period. I'm going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And then I'm going to return with Christ. And then we're going to reign with Christ for 1,000 literal years. And then Satan will be bound. Yes, he will. And then beyond that, God will create a new heaven and a new earth and we will move into the eternal realm. 
So, beloved, we are not Catholic. We are not Reformed in our theology. We are Biblicist. God makes a distinction between the Gentile, the Jew, and the Church of God. And just like God has a future plan for the redeemed church and the rapture, God still has a plan for the nation of Israel, her salvation, and her reign within the eternal kingdom. Beloved, let's continue to support and pray for the protection and salvation of Israel, for not only Israel, but also for the Arab people that are just as blinded. It is the church today that has been entrusted with the gospel. Let's be faithful stewards of that gospel. Christmas is coming. You have the opportunity to share the hope of eternal life with others. Let's seize the opportunity, beloved. Let's do what we can to provide some hope because the world's in a mess. You know that. Don't need to convince you of that fact. So what's the point of my sermonette this morning? God has a future plan for Israel. God still has a future plan for Israel. Her salvation and for her to reign with her King, Jesus Christ. If we really believe that, then we will support Israel. Don't get too comfortable when it comes to anti-Semitism and say, oh, thank God I'm not a Jew. But if you're a Christian, you're next in line. Because we have a Judo-Christian base. To support anti-Semitism is to be anti-Christian. They're connected. May God help us. Maranatha, our Lord cometh. Our Lord cometh. Let's bow for prayer.